Welcome to the Exploring Healing Arts podcast, your go-to source for learning about different healing techniques and meeting exceptional healing arts practitioners from around the globe. Together, we explore where the physical meets the subtle, the possibilities that exist for healing, and a diverse array of methods to try, from acupuncture to yin yoga and Reiki to family constellation therapy. My name is Elizabeth Alexander. I am the creator and curator behind this podcast, a Reiki master and energy healing practitioner. This podcast is something I have dreamed of for many, many moons, and my intention is to birth the resource I wish I had had at the start of my own healing arts journey over a decade ago. Whether you are just getting started on your own journey or you are intentionally diving deeper into a healing arts practice, this podcast is the place for you. You will hear inspiring stories, get real life practical tips, and connect with exceptional practitioners and teachers from around the world. No two paths in healing are the same, but that does not mean you need to be alone. Join us to explore and experience healing together. Welcome to an episode that explores yoga nidra, an often overlooked practice of yoga that is one of my absolute favorites, and today's guest is Dora Chan. Dora is an Aussie living in California who has navigated through tremendous stress and challenging health conditions in her life. These struggles led her to yoga and meditation, tools that have been guideposts on her own healing path, and she now uses in service of others. Dora has a PhD in immunology, is a Reiki master, holistic nutritionist, and yoga teacher with extensive certifications and experience modalities, including yoga nidra, yin yoga, and restorative yoga. Her passion is in integrating holistic approaches to help others in living more fulfilling lives. Welcome, Dora. Thank you so much for having me, Beth. I'm so excited you're here. This is, you know, like I said before, it's an often overlooked part of yoga, it's something that I didn't even know about for the first eight years that I was practicing yoga. So to get to dedicate a whole episode to this topic with someone who's as experienced and knowledgeable as you is just bringing me a lot of joy. <laughs> Thank you so much. I This is my passion and I love talking about yoga nidra. And so I'm so, so grateful for you for bringing this topic up. Thanks. So I want to share a little backstory of how Dora and I met because in this is 2022 now. I've been living in the San Francisco Bay Area. And a few months back, I was just feeling kind of lonely. I was like, I need to go meet people. You need to get out there again. So I went and took a class at a local yoga studio. And Dora was the teacher. And during the course of the class, you announced that it was your last week at the studio because you were moving to Santa Barbara. And I was during the whole class, I was like, I have to talk to her. (laughs) So at the end, I told you, I was like, well, I lived in Santa Barbara for 13 years. Like, let's meet up for coffee. Let's chat. And it was just so fun for me. I remember like feeling really fulfilled walking away from our conversation as there were so many overlaps in our journeys and just so many things that we love and are passionate about. And I hope that exudes through this episode today, too. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I just love the way we met. Like it was just we were like literally just crossing like you were coming to San Francisco Bay and I was leaving and it was just such a great connection. 
a little bit sad also because I'm like, oh, I would love to just be in the same area <laughs> and do more with you. But um, I'm just grateful for the connection. Totally. Me too. So I love opening with all guests, learning about people's ancestry and their roots. So what is your ancestry and where are your roots and how do you stay connected or not to them? Yeah, so I've sort of been around everywhere. So I was born in Hong Kong and both my parents are from Hong Kong, but we moved to Australia when um, my sister and I were quite little. And so I we grew up in Australia. And so while we still have some relatives um, back in Hong Kong, I actually don't feel very connected to my birthplace. <laughs> I kind of go there more, more of a tourist than anything else. And so I think that I guess it's kind of strange, but having a um, Chinese family or having that background, but then living in Australia, that's also a, an experience as well, which is a little bit different from maybe perhaps local Australians who have lived there for generations. So I think, you know, sort of in between, I, I would say I feel more connected to Australia than I would be uh, in Hong Kong. But my parents also did a good job in, you know, involving us in some of the more traditional festivities and things that um, help us remember, you know, our background and our culture. And so it's, I guess it's a mix of a bit of both. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then you've moved around because you, so born in Hong Kong, went to Australia. Now you're in Santa Barbara. Have you landed in some spaces? I think I remember in between that too. Yeah. So um, I spent eight years living in Canada, close to Toronto. I'm in a little town called Waterloo. And that was really wonderful, though it was just way too cold. And <laughs> so we moved to the States and I was in the San Francisco Bay Area for about three years before moving to Santa Barbara now. Wow. I love that. And so you're physically in Santa Barbara now. And I know you know the native people of the area. I'm just learning about it. As I know, my kids are learning about it at school. So I'm oh, learning fun. it through them. So, um, yeah. So the native people are the Shumash um, people in this region. So I, I need to learn more about um, the, the native um, lands and, 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 and its people. But this is, yeah, this is, I'm getting informed by my kids right now, <laughs> which is great. That's so fun. That's so sweet. So let's dive into Yoga Nidra. What is Yoga Nidra? How would you explain it? Yeah, thank you for asking that. That's such a great question because that's a question that I get so much because people look at the word yoga and they automatically assume that they're going to be doing some movement type of um, practice. And yoga nidra, if we were to really look at the Sanskrit words, yoga means to become awakened. And so even though nowadays people think of yoga as an exercise and they think, oh, I'm going to do some yoga and I'm going to stretch or whatnot. Yoga really means to unite. Uh, it's came, it comes from the root word yush, uh, to yoke. And what it really means to unite is how can we reconnect back with ourselves to that deepest and truest part of ourselves? How do we reconnect with um, our essential nature? And when we, are, when we are reunited with our true selves, then we are awakened to who we really are. And so yoga is really about being awake, awake to our or conscious of our uh, spiritual selves, right? 
and nidra means to sleep. And so yoga nidra, it's a little bit of play on words because it's like awake and asleep. So, you know, what does that mean? And some people translate it as the sleep of the yogi. What my teacher has, uh, I love my teacher's, um, Dr. Richard Miller's translation of this is that yoga nidra is about how we can stay awakened to our true nature through the different states of consciousness, including deep sleep. Wow. So that's how I'll describe yoga nidra, but I can (laughs) really talk more about what that means in a practice too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So like if somebody was to come and take a class with you in person or remotely, can you walk us through like what that process looks like? Like what are they participating in if they're not stretching or like exercising? Yeah, so um, yoga nidra, you can think of it as a meditation and it's almost like, you know, how when you get to the end of a yoga class, you're often cued to come to a restful pose, the Shavasana pose where you lie down for the last five to 10 minutes of class. So yoga nidra is sort of like a guided meditation in Shavasana. Cool. If you like. But um, a lot of practitioners would actually say that there is a difference between meditation versus yoga nidra because the goal of yoga nidra is to help you to stay aware as we move through different states of consciousness. What we can actually do in a yoga nidra practice is to help someone get to a deep state of relaxation that mimics deep sleep, Mm. which is something that is different from other forms of meditation where you're still in a very alert state and you might be doing different types of meditation. You know, you might have mindfulness meditation. It might be, you might be focused on a certain thing. It might be focusing on your breath or focusing on a mantra or um, silent meditation, but um, your state of mind is still pretty alert and awake. Whereas in yoga nidra, we're trying to train ourselves to be conscious as we dip through the different stages of sleep. So if you were to measure our brainwave pattern, you can actually see that one can actually go all the way to deep dream, dreamless sleep in the delta brainwave state, which is not something that you would find perhaps in the other kind of seated or more alert and awake types of meditation. That's wonderful. And so if somebody, let's say they're like a newcomer, They've never tried yoga nidra. They're interested in connecting with those deeper brainwave cycles that we go through in our sleep. They walk in the door, they might be feeling a certain way, and then they're going to leave and they might be feeling a certain way. Can you describe what some of the possibilities for that um, could be? Yeah. So not everyone comes uh, to yoga nidra for the same reasons and not everyone is going to walk away, you know, um, having achieved the deep sleep state and back. (laughs) Okay, cool. (laughs) And it also depends on, you know, sometimes it just takes practice also. But what we do in a yoga nidra practice is that we start to help ground the body first. So it's not like we get you in and then we put you to sleep right away. (laughs) (laughs) So that happens too. I've had, you know, it, it's very common that people fall asleep in class I too. Fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's wonderful too. So I want to talk a little bit about that too when that happens and, and you know, uh, normalize it a bit because it, it happens uh, very often. But what we try to do is get your body kind of situated, you get relaxed, you get comfortable physically where you are. So there's um, a time of settling in. And then, and of course, every practitioner might do it a little bit differently. 
the way that I would teach it is that you get settled in and then we start to help you to open up your five senses and just being aware of, you know, your sense of smell, taste, sight, um, sound and touch. And then just really getting starting to get your body listening to the different sensations that are coming through. And then we set an intention for the practice. If you have an intention you would like to set And then part of the practice, um, so the type of yoga nidra that I teach is called integrative restoration, um, or I rest for short. And what we do in our protocol is that we help ground the person in a sense, um, in, in something called the inner resource. So what that does is it helps to bring that person into a, a place of inner safety. And that helps to ground them throughout the practice. But it's also a great practice on its own, even in your daily life to, oh, can I come back to my inner resource um, whenever I need? And then we continue and we do some body sensing and starts to really help us to connect with the sensations of our bodies. Because oftentimes why the mind-body practices have been so beneficial to so many people is that we become a bit disconnected with our bodies and we get really stuck in our minds and that causes all sorts of issues for us. But the yoga nidra practice really helps us to bring our our awareness back into our bodies and think, oh, how can I interact with the different sensations that are coming up? How do I even connect and feel the different types of sensations? Because there are uh, many people who don't even know what they're feeling or that, oh, you know, maybe I'm relaxed, but okay, what what does relaxation feel like as a physical sensation? And they're like, oh, I don't know what you mean by that. And so Yoga Nidra, you know, will, will give you some guidance as to, okay, where are you feeling it? If when you say relaxation, as an example, do you feel it in your belly? Do you feel it in your chest? Do you feel it anywhere else? Is it localized or is it throughout the whole body? Is it heavy? Is it light? Is there a temperature to it? And so it kind of just really helps you to think of sensations in a whole new way. Perhaps people have never thought of sensations at that level. Yeah. And then they start to now realize, wow, I had no idea that I can experience myself in this way. And then we go into breath sensing. So bit of pranayama and, um, you know, uh, focusing on how, and we can, you know, introduce different breathing techniques as well. So we'll, we'll do a bit of breath work. And then we explore the different layers of ourselves. And that's what yoga nidra has in common. I guess different schools of yoga nidra have in common is that we explore the different layers of ourselves and the teachings call it the five kosha system. And so the t- Two of the koshas I already mentioned is the body. We, we feel into the body, the breath. But then we also look into the uh, layer of our emotions and then also seeing, okay, what's coming up through f- for us as emotions and how can we feel that as sensations in the body? And then we have the layer of thoughts and cognitions. So I think that's the, the layer that a lot of us get stuck in, you know, all the thinking <laughs> and worrying and, and beliefs, all of these are in the kosher of uh, the cognitive layer, and then also experiencing that. How am I feeling my thoughts? How is that translating as a physical sensation in the body? And then what we believe is that, okay, if we can disidentify from all of these different layers, then we'll come to the fifth layer, which is the the bliss or, yeah, the, the bliss or joy or anandamaya kosher, the 
ultimate uh, place where a lot of yogis try to uh, get to that state of bliss, right? But one thing that's a little different in the IRAS yoga nidra practice is that we don't stop at the fifth kosha. We actually have an extra kosha that we work with because um, my teacher, he noticed that even when we kind of disidentify from all those layers and come to a layer of joy and bliss where you feel at one with, you know, the universe, if you like, that the ego eye is still very subtly holding on and there's a sense of, huh. I am enlightened. <laughs> and it's, so the I, the ego is still there. And so he takes it one step further and add an extra layer where we look at the more subtle interactions with the ego I versus the universal I and really understanding, well, who am I? And really trying to come to a place of true union with your, with yourself, which is really, you know, consciousness itself. And then. To wrap up, we don't leave you there in that state of, oh, I'm connected to everything because we <laughs> <all> understand. <laughs> we understand that you have a life to live and you probably have friends and family and you probably have a job. And so we can't have you just, you know, out there. And that's not a functional uh, member of society when you're, you know, out there. So we have a process to help you wake, wake you back down, if you like, so that even though you have been in touch with that connectedness and realize yourself as consciousness itself, that we can start to come back and put back all of these layers and come back into a place where you can have separation, in meaning that you understand yourself having a physical body, you have your thoughts, emotions, you have all of these things that are all a part of you, but they're not you by themselves, you know, in, in any one layer. So then you have this understanding of a new understanding of who you are and understanding that all these layers are also needed for you to be functional in the world without being fused with these layers. Mm. So it's like a, it's kind of like a touch point on like expanding into bliss and expanding into universal consciousness and then you come back but i feel like i don't know at least in my life like the more touch points i've had with that space my experience becomes more fluid as i'm going from that space back to like my day-to-day -day life yeah and the thing is it's not about oh i'm just going to touch into it and then leave the point is the more you get in touch with that bring it back with you so that you are connected you're constantly connected to who you are and you can still be functional so it's not they're not mutually exclusive it's not that oh i can't have duality in my life as once i've you know become one with consciousness it's everything can, Everything already are existing together. And we're just, I guess we're just expanding our awareness to, to reality, really, because we're already, you know, we're already functioning in the world in a duality, in, in a, you know, dualistic way. And yet consciousness is already here. Also, it's not separate from us, though. We're just not, we just don't have access to certain aspects of ourselves, I guess. Yeah. And then, just like on a technical note, like if someone was to sign up for a yoga class or yoga nidra, is it five minutes? Is it three hours? Like, like, well, what are people, what is like a typical practice or what is the way that you teach at least? Yeah. So when I teach group classes, um, I'm given anywhere between 60 to 75 minutes for 
for my time with my student. The way that we have been taught is that we wouldn't go over 30, 35 minutes of the guided meditation itself, just so that we don't get too much into So that the reason why we don't do this is we're mindful of the sleep stages and that within 30, 35 minutes, we're not dipping into sort of the um, really deep sleep <laughs> because if you start to dip into that, you're just going to find it hard to fall asleep when it's time for you to fall asleep at night. And so we want to make sure that we don't mess up your sleep cycle so that you can still sleep when it's time for you to sleep, but um, that you can get a very restful, um, restorative time for yourself as well. And so um, if you are doing it, say, um, closer to bedtime, or you might be doing a yoga nidra practice to help you fall asleep, then the practice could be 50 minutes, one hour long, because the, the goal is to get you into sleep, right? But if you're doing it, like, say, in the morning or in the or in midday, then we try to limit to 30, 35 minutes so that you, you still, you know, have your normal sleep cycle. Now, and then what do I do in the hour then? So I actually, the way I teach my classes, I bring in a topic of the week. So for instance, this week, um, I'm going to be talking about joy, gratitude, and abundance. Mm. So I like to include some of the teaching portion, bring in some of the yoga, yogic teachings and philosophies to help you understand why we're doing this practice, to give up a practice, something to focus on. Um, and so that takes uh, some time because I like to have that conversation and discussions with my students. And then we'll go into a guided meditation. And then we'll come back together and I like to have some time where we can gather, reconnect, debrief, ask questions. Um, and so it actually works out really nicely um, when I do it that way. But having said so, yoga nidra can be done, you know, um, for however long or short you want it. And I, ha I actually give my students homework throughout the week to say, ha fit in these micro practices during your day. So you don't have to sit for a 30 minute meditation each time, but can you take at least five deep breaths? And that could be a practice. And in those five deep breaths, um, remember how maybe I might've taught something in, in a particular class. Remember how we talked about this? Can we bring that practice in? So it might be your inner resource. Can you touch into your inner resource, this place of inner safety? And stay there for five breaths. And then just go back, do your thing, come back and into your everyday life. And then again, in another moment, take another five breaths and touch into your inner resource. And then you'll do it frequently throughout the day, but having these really micro practices. And then I also do shorter meditations that are five to 10 minutes long that I give to students as well, that they can have like kind of short doses of, of the yoga nidra practice as well. So it's very flexible. You can make it as long or as short as you like. Mm. And you've, you've touched on some of this, I think, already, just talking about how yoga nidra can get you into certain like brainwave states. Can you share you know, what you know or what excites you about the research that has been done on yoga nidra? Yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of research on, on meditation, but also, um, research that's coming out on yoga nidra that, um, is very, it's very exciting, but it's also like, well, of course, <laughs> I'm not surprised <laughs> by, by the results. So what I can say specifically about the IRAS practice is that, um, the, my teacher, who is also the, the creator of this method, he's a clinical psychologist and he, so he's a researcher. 
He spent decades studying the um, ancient practices of the East. So definitely he's uh, studied with many um, uh, gurus from uh, in the yogic traditions and in India, also Buddhism, Suvism, Taoism, all of that. So he's really experienced in the Eastern teachings. But he also has the, you know, Western scientific knowledge around psychology. And so the IRS practice is really um, his creation in bringing in the wisdom, the ancient wisdom of the East and integrating the um, scientific knowledge so that it can be more accessible to the everyday people in the modern world. And also to make it more, uh, to make this practice a trauma sensitive practice. And so when he first created this, he knew that he needed to put it into research for people to be comfortable with his method because nowadays people love to have scientific evidence for everything. So uh, I'm so glad he had the foresight of putting his method into research right away. So he actually tested IRS protocol first at the uh, Walter Reed Army Hospital. Wow. And he was testing it on soldiers that were returning from war and veterans. And so he was using this method for people, for, for, for the soldiers and veterans with um, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, um, insomnia, stress, obviously, um, anxiety, chronic pain, and chemical dependency. So these are the main things that he tested them on. And, and it was so successful that the, um, now it's actually part of the program for veterans and it's being used in over 50 uh, military hospitals around the U.S. for both soldiers, veterans, and their families. And then it's it's spreading worldwide too. There are many other countries that are also using this protocol. And so scientifically speaking, yes, there are, there's definitely sciences to, to science, science behind, particularly the IRS method for all the things that I just mentioned. And if you look at their website, it's just irs.org. There's a whole page of research articles, um, and they're still ongoing, like research that's being done. So there's definitely that. But then um, sort of from sort of if we zoomed out a bit and just look at the yoga nidra practice, not specifically the IRS, it also has been shown that it's been shown to help with depression, it's shown to improve um, anxiety, and even more so than other types of seated meditation as well, which was really interesting. So anxiety seems to, um, yoga nidra seems to be able to help with that. What else? Sleep. Uh, sleeping. Uh, I think that comes together when you have stress, anxiety. Sleep is probably disturbed too, but that's another area that um, people have looked at. That is so cool. So one question that it's probably going to seem kind of basic for you. And I think you've already kind of touched on it, but I know like when I'm describing a yoga nidra practice to somebody that hasn't ever done it before and hasn't studied yoga philosophy, they're like, why is it called yoga if there's no physical movement or stretching? <laughs> like they're just, they're, they, you know, they just don't know any better. And like, you know, here in the United States, at least a lot of people just associate yoga as a physical practice. But can you touch on? Maybe again, just like how it falls under the umbrella of yoga or like why it would be like considered a part of that. Yeah, sure. And thank you for that question because I find myself having to just 
ask students coming to class that you know this is meditation we're not doing any movement I hope <laughs> totally. you're aware of that and some people are like oh I thought this was yoga so yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah and I, I guess this just goes back to to show how there's such a misconception around what yoga really is and so as a yoga teacher, um, I think all of us that went through the basic training in the yoga teacher training is that we had to learn the, the Patanjali Yoga Sutras, which, which outlines from um, his point of view what yoga is about. And yoga, the way it's described by Patanjali, is that there are eight limbs of yoga, meaning there are eight aspects of yoga. And yoga is not an exercise. It's not just a meditation is not any one thing. Those are the tools that are going to help us to reunite with ourselves. So yoga is really about that unity, coming back to where you can reconnect with who who you are, really, right? Or reconnect with consciousness itself. So so yoga is more like a lifestyle, if you like, or um, something that's going to help you get to this place of union. And so. Union. So yoga is more about that that union of you know of of you. However you want to call yourself, you. I mean, gets a little bit <laughs> tricky when we start talking about non dualistic teachings. But you know, who who are you? And in the end, when you come to that realization, you realize you are not a separate you. You are that which doesn't even really have a, a name that that can really we can put a name to. So we can sometimes say it's consciousness or the universe or God, whatever name you, you choose. So then when we think about yoga as an exercise, well, really only thinking about one limb of, of that. And we call it asana practice. And so when we think about the, the uh, movement, we're actually asana means postures. So we're doing the postures, the physical postures. And traditionally, the yoga asanas were only done so that we can prepare the body to go into deep meditation for hours. Wow. And so the movement practice is not yoga. It's one, one part, one, one limb of yoga so that it helps you to get to a state of meditation. So, because you, you know, for those of you who may have tried seated meditation, you might realize that, oh, after sitting for a while, it gets quite uncomfortable. Well, how can you focus when you all you can think about is how uncomfortable you are? Um, and so the yoga practice or the yoga asana practice is about how can you keep the body healthy so that we can sit in meditation for hours at a time, perhaps. And then as we get into that meditation, then that can take us into the different increase, the inter uh, self increase that could lead us to realizing ourselves beautiful yeah yeah that's beautiful I'm I'm just thinking about the first time I did yoga nidra because I also had no idea <laughs> what it was and I like brought my yoga mat and wore like a lululemon you know I was like ready to like <laughs> go and do it and I had just gotten a new housemate now she's my best friend and she also teaches yoga nidra so she invited me to her class one evening she put together a little group of you know her friends and i i was kind of chuckling to myself earlier when you were talking about how you know yoga nidra is the practice of like waking up like while you're sleeping yeah because what ended up happening we were in ventura on like a friday night 
Like I'm on my mat. I got my bolsters, my blankets, you know, I fall asleep because that's just the state I was in and an earthquake happened and it literally woke me up. And it was like a very visceral experience of being like woken up. And I'm not saying that if you do yoga nidra an earthquake's going to happen, but I was just like, wow, like that literally happened. And since then I've, you know, done several other yoga nidra practices with her and some other friends and practitioners now. And it has just really deepened my appreciation for yoga because I did come coming from especially like a fitness background. The focus in that area is often on the asanas, but the practice of attuning to the body sensations and the different layers from a place of stillness is really powerful. Yeah, it's super powerful. So I'm curious to know, how did you land on yoga nidra? Like, what was your path? Like, did you have an earthquake? Did you go to a friend's class? Like, what what did that look like for you? It's really funny because I, you know, have been practicing yoga for a number of years before um, becoming a yoga teacher. And I was teaching for a number of years and I actually hated meditation. It was just not for me. I couldn't get to us. I just couldn't do it. And then I felt like, oh, you know, did I fail as a yoga teacher not being able to meditate? (laughs) (laughs) And then during that, you know, there was a particular time where there was just people keep saying, have you tried yoga nidra? Oh, I just took a class. It was amazing. And that was just, I just kept hearing about yoga nidra, yoga nidra. And I'm like, what is that? And that was, you know, pretty new. And then so I thought, you know, it took me a while to, to come around and think, okay, I'll give it a go because I was just so, just meditation never really was, um, never really spoke to me before. And, and then I, I did have an opportunity to try a, uh, an IRS yoga nidra workshop when I was in one of the yoga conferences, um, a couple of years back. And, and I just loved the practice and I thought, oh, wow, I could do this. This is something I could do. Because yoga nidra is really accessible as well. So a lot of people that cannot meditate with other forms of meditation can actually find themselves quite happy in a yoga nidra practice. Mm. And then so that was sort of, that's what started my curiosity. And then I just started to to learn more about it. And as soon as I started training with them, they have different levels of training. They have level one, level two, and then a certification program. I just nonstop because it was just how much I love the teachings. It wasn't just about how can you relax the body? There's a whole depth of um, wisdom around the, the philosophies and why we do each thing. The practice itself is so simple, it's, and yet there's so much depth to it. And so that's what I loved about the, the practice is that it's so accessible. Anyone can, well, okay, I won't say everyone, but most people can find it beneficial. And it's something that we're already kind of doing, like we sleep at night, but now we're doing it with more awareness, if you like. And for those people who are unable to sleep at night and then they fall asleep in the meditation practice, that's the rest that they're getting. And so um, one of the things that I tell my students is that don't worry if you fall asleep. And now (laughs) I mention it at the beginning so that they don't feel bad if they fall asleep because we are playing with being aware at different stages of consciousness that sometimes we will fall into sleep 
And curiously, for many students, even though they have fallen asleep, as I cue them to come out of the meditation, they do. So that just goes to show that there is an awareness there, because otherwise, how would they know that I'm telling them to come up?、Mm-hmm. And even for those who do fall completely asleep, and I have to wake them, that that's the moment they got, you know, really deep breaths, and that's what they needed. And so. Whatever that needs to happen is is perfect. And even if you fall completely asleep and you have no awareness of me calling you back, that there is still a, an awareness there, trusting that because it has been shown that there are students that would fall asleep every class, and yet their depression's improved, and their anxiety's improved, and they're sleeping better at night. And so, you know, just there, there's also、um, trusting in the process that whatever you receive is is what you needed. Absolutely, and I think you bring up a good point too. That for people who haven't tried yoga nidra may not realize this, because we're kind of you know it's a little bit different than meditation, but for people it's like a helpful orientation to think of it that way. And you get guided through the entire practice, like at least in my experience, like doing your class remotely and with other practitioners and teachers. It's like there's a voice that's like leading you through it the whole time, and I always find that really helpful because it's not like me sitting there with like all of my thoughts and trying to be like there should be no thoughts, you know, like going through like that vicious meditation cycle. It's like there's a focus point and there's guidance and there's somebody that's there with you, which has always just felt like. So comforting and also really supportive for finding a, a way to drop in, whether that's falling asleep or you know listening and staying present the whole time. Yeah, definitely. You know, having a guided meditation, even when people kind of float off and disappear for a little bit, that they have something to anchor them back into the practice. Another thing that I will say about yoga nidra is that it's a very permissive practice, meaning that. We're not trying to make anything happen. We're not trying to clear out your thoughts. We're not saying you need to focus on this or you need to focus on that. In fact, our philosophy is that how can you be open to all that is around? And curiously, what happens is that when you become open to what's around, it becomes background. So when we say, "Oh,、um, you know," when when I say get rid of your thoughts or stop your thinking, you won't. You're actually Increasing that energy there, so it's almost like when I say, "Oh, don't think about a pink elephant." You know, <laughs> that's all you can think about now is the, is、yeah. the pink elephant, right? Yeah. Whereas when I say, when I tell students that it's okay if the thoughts are around, and in fact, we do go to one of the coaches is around thoughts. So we would even say, "What are you thinking? What's coming up for you?" But then we're learning to disidentify from the thoughts. So it's different from dissociating. We're not trying to pretend it's not there and get away from it. We're taking a step back and realizing that we're not just our thoughts. We are something else, and who I am is aware that I have thoughts. So there's a, just a different relationship to the different things that are coming up for us. And then, so when I teach a class, I've I've taught a class where we had constructions like in the room upstairs, and there's like hammering and drilling and everything. But the thing is, I'm like, this is perfect. You know, what are you sensing? How are you feeling when you take in all of these sounds?、Um, can we be open to all of the sounds and not need it to be different or have it a different way? And funny enough, the students come up, come out, and say, "Thank you for mentioning and being open 
to the sounds. As soon as they were able to allow that to be and they're not pushing it, the sounds away, they said they didn't even notice the construction throughout the, the rest of the practice. And so it's just the power of allowing and acknowledging, allowing. And then I think that calms the nervous system. It's got, okay, I've identified it. I know it's there and it's okay that it's there. Now we can relax and then you can focus um, on on other areas in the practice. It's lovely. What a beautiful metaphor just for life in general, right? Can you stay present and allow what is? And even if there's hammers and construction, all sorts of distractions around you. So I would love to dive a little bit more into your background, Dora, because you went, you know, you have a PhD in immunology. And now here you are deepening and blossoming with all of these different yoga and Reiki and holistic offerings. What has your journey been? (laughs) Yeah, I think that, you know, looking back, everything happened perfectly. Like the universe just, you know, couldn't have planned it better, I guess. It's, yeah, I started off um, getting into science and I enjoyed what I was doing. I thought that was my, my life purpose and I thought that was my path. But what I, looking back, what I know now is that I actually never knew what I wanted to do. Um, I never, I never stopped to think about, oh, who, who, who am I? Who, who is Dora? And who, you know, what does she want? What is her heartfelt desire? What is her life purpose? I kind of went by what my family expected of me and what society expected of me. And so it was all of the the conditionings that I had that I'm like, oh, um, I need to be successful. And to be successful means I have a good job and I have this title to my name and all of this, right? And then so I kind of just went ahead and I thought that was my path. And then, you know, I got all the way to to PhD and I should be so proud and happy and and all of that, right? And um, it just didn't really feel right when I had kids and kind of used them as excuse to stay at home. I mean, of course, I love spending time with them. I really treasured those times staying home with them. But I think part of that was also that I just didn't want to go back to science. It was just not where my heart was. And then eventually when it was time to to find something to do again, I started to, you know, I went into yoga, uh, the yoga teacher training just to play, really. I didn't think I would teach. I just thought, oh, let's see what happened. <laughs> and then literally as soon as I finished my training, the opportunities just started pouring in. I wasn't even looking to teach. And then once I started teaching, I just, I just kept going. I fell in love with it and I wanted to learn more. And so I started to, you know, get into all the different holistic modalities, which I think they integrate so well together with the nutrition piece, the energetic piece, the Reiki meditation and the physical practice and all of it just kind of came together. And I feel like, okay, this feels right. This is, you know, this is the path that I want to be mm. on and continue to teach and, and to practice on my own um, and to share this with as many people as I can. That's beautiful. So what are your own practices, you know, to stay embodied? Obviously, you're at a point in your career and in your life where you are, you know, your offerings include holding and creating spaces, you know, with other people with these different modalities. What do you do for yourself? 
what does your self-care look like? Yeah. So I think that what I love about the IRS practice is that it, while we have those 30 minute practices that you can take time out to, to do the really the whole point of the practice is how can we bring the practice into your daily life so that they're not separate? Because one of the things that people do is that, oh, I'm going to have my life and then here's my spiritual life, kind of, oh, my spiritual practice. And there's kind of almost like you take yourself out of life to have a moment of, you know, peace and tranquility. And then, okay, now I got to go back into life. And, you know, that kind of probably happens to all of us, you know, and it's good, you know, maybe even just taking a vacation, taking us out of the stressful setting, having a bit of a, a time away and coming back. That's great. And I think we should have that in our lives. But at the same time, what if we can take the practice and integrate it into our lives so that we are more able to deal with our daily challenges instead of getting so stressed out that you have to take the time out to kind of restore and then come back and then do the same. And so the way that I approach my practice is that, you know, I try my best to have some longer practices. I have recordings and I attend um, other teachers' sessions and workshops, but the most important thing that I do is how can I remind myself to come back to center and having those micro practices, which may not take very long. It might just be two or three breaths and where I remind myself that, okay, I can stay grounded. I can come to my inner uh, resource, my inner safe space. Can I just take a moment to just be? Because sometimes, especially when I notice myself getting a little bit anxious about something, can I just take a moment and reconnect with the deeper, my deeper self and find that inner peace and then go back into the world? And part of the IRS practice, even though it's a guided meditation, and you can take bits and pieces out of that meditation and apply them into your daily life. And one of the things that we do and I teach students to do is, can we be more aware of whatever it is that you're doing? Can you be a witness of your experience? So that instead of just having an emotion or having a thought that comes up, can we learn to take a step back? And instead of saying, oh, I am frustrated, even just changing the way we talk to ourselves. What if instead of I am frustrated, you say something like, I sense frustration arising. So even that very subtle difference, now you're not fused with frustration. Now you are, you know, you are your essential nature witnessing that frustration is arising in your body. Wow. And that helps to just, you know, give you a bit of a, a wider perspective of where you are. And when you're not so fused with your thoughts, your emotions, you're now able to have that space where you have just a little bit more time so that you can discern, oh, where is this coming from? Is this helpful? Is there a different way I can approach this? What is the next uh, appropriate step moving forward? And so then we are more able to come from a place of constructive responding to our situation rather than reacting to our situation. And so all of this is what I try to incorporate into my daily life and that whenever a challenge comes up, whether it's big or small, I see it as, oh, this is another chance for me to practice 
or to yeah put my practice in in into practice and so i feel like i'm always always practicing in that sense mm. This is reminding me, uh, you know, Jen Lowe as well. And this is reminding me on her episode, she was like, life is practice, you know, and I feel like you two are like <laughs> echoing the same sentiment. And I love that reminder. So thank you for it. <laughs> so when you are going to like other people's classes, or maybe a workshop, or you're getting like Reiki or something done on yourself, how do you discern who to work with or learn from? Yeah, I think sometimes, well, okay, so what the IRS practice really teaches to be teaches us to be attuned to ourselves. So that is the practice in itself is does it feel right? Does it not feel right? It's just as simple as that. And sometimes yeah, I think a lot of us needs a little bit of refining in that because we're like, oh, I'm not sure what my intuition is and you know, when it is that it's my intuition telling me something or where, whether it's fear that's telling me something and I'm like, just, oh, I need to have this. And then so there's a practice there. But then once you get, get more confident in, in trusting yourself, then, then I trust that. So I'll come back to my intuition, my body, my heart space and think, okay, how do I feel about this person? And does it feel right for me to do this workshop or practice or whatnot. And that we never follow anyone blindly anyway. So just because I've had a session, I can assess afterwards and think, how did I feel afterwards? Did it feel right? Did it feel like it was in alignment with with what I wanted, with, with my purpose and my energy? And then if not, you know, we can do further increase, you can meditate more, or you can just take it as a no, maybe this is not the person I want to work with again. And that's okay, too. And so I think that I'm just finding being open to meet different people and different practitioners being open to experience and try their practices. And then also, it's a wonderful way to practice openness and welcoming and acceptance, which is also a practice of IRS. And that is understanding where my attachments are. So I love the IRS practice. And I know um, many of the senior teachers of IRS, and I love to do their work workshops. And I know that they are knowledgeable and experienced. But at the same time, I want to be open to other people that are maybe outside of the IRS community that may or open to other types of meditation and kind of use my experiences to say, oh, am I judging? <laughs> am I attached to my practice? Can I truly be open to this other person's um, way of teaching? And all of that is a learning experience because part of the IRS practice also is to teach us how to be with discomfort. And so it's always about finding people that are completely aligned with you and that everything is perfect and you're twins <laughs> or whatnot. And, and sometimes we want that, you know, and sometimes we need that. But then also, can, can are we truly open to life or are we so stuck in our own beliefs and how, you know, things need to be? So I like to experience different people and different practitioners also to see where I am at, you know, um, where, where am I in my practice? Am I open? And of course, there are certain things that I may have, may think differently, but that's okay. Like, you know, can I still have, get value from this experience in various ways? I love that. Thank you. 
And if you could go back and tell a younger version of you that was like PhD immunology Dora, just starting out before your healing arts journey, what would you tell her? I tell her that everything will be okay. Mm. Everything will be okay. And it's funny because if I were to be able to tell myself that I can, I'm very aware that at that, the younger version of myself was not ready to hear anything more than that. Mm, that's wise. <laughs> that, you know, I had a lot of support around me that I, I could have reached out for help and, but I was not ready for a spiritual journey or anything like that back then. So keeping that in mind, I think that all that I could tell her is that everything is going to be okay. And that, to be honest, I don't think I would have changed anything. And so I think I would have wanted her to go through everything that she went through because it brought me to where I am now. And so I'm really grateful to be where I am now. So I don't think I would change anything. That's beautiful. And so wise. I love the wisdom that you're sharing. Thank you. <laughs> so we're going to move into some rapid fire questions. Just want short and sweet answers. The first thing that comes up for you. You ready? Okay. What is your human design? Generator. Cool. What is your favorite place in nature to be in? I think any place in nature is beautiful, but I'm surrounded by mountains right now. And so I'm really loving that. <laughs> what is your beverage of choice right now? Herbal teas are my go-to. <laughs> Do you have a favorite one? I have a few and I kind of feel like I just have to see what mood I'm in. Today I'm having rose, rose oh, tea. Oh, <laughs> I love rose tea. <laughs> what is your top tip for good energy hygiene? I think really, again, just taking that time to tap into your yourself because I think for most people can benefit from slowing down and just taking breaks. But if you're in tune with yourself, you'll know when you need to take breaks and when you need to get moving. So I would just say that that connection with self will always tell you what you need. Mm -hmm. And how do you define healing? I think healing is an integration of all aspects of yourself. Mm. My heart is so happy hearing that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dora, what services do you offer and where can people find you? I do group classes. I do group meditation and yoga asana classes. And I do them in person. If you're in Santa Barbara, look me up. But I also do um, online classes. Every month, I do a community free class online for a restorative yoga class. And I actually have one coming this Sunday. What else? I, yeah, and I do private one-on-one uh, -on -one, um, sessions with clients. I focus mostly on stress and anxiety and how to build resilience. I look at everything in a holistic view, or hopefully I have I try to bring in as a, a holistic as possible of a view and work, a pro work at a program incorporating yoga, meditation, Reiki, coaching, and more into my practices. And you'll find all of my information on my website. So including all my group classes and events that I might have running, 
And I'll be doing some workshops actually uh, coming up in the new year, both in the San Francisco Bay Area and in Santa Barbara. And I'm hoping to do something online as well, just so that I can reach some of the, um, my community that are not in my local area. And if you have any questions, I offer a, th- a free 30-minute consultation so that you know we can have a chat and see where you're at and, and what you're interested in, and we can learn more about it, each other. Mm-hmm. And can you tell us your website and your uh, Instagram? What, like where, where would people search? We'll put it in the show notes too, but just so they can hear it. Perfect. So my website is dorachenyoga.net. And you can find me on social media on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube at Dora Chen Yoga. I love it. Love it. Go out there. If you're curious about iRest, you're curious about Yoga Ninja, if anything resonated with you, go check out Dora's offerings and yeah, reach out to her. Dora, I am over the moon with how this episode went today. Thank you so much for co-creating it. I just, I'm like excited to be shedding more light and building awareness of Yoga Nidra and inviting people to explore and experience some of the other non-asana limbs of yoga. Like they're, it's so important, like you said, for coming back to who you are to have like a holistic and well-rounded program. And I also am just really appreciating your wisdom and your eloquence and how you strike this beautiful balance of like trusting in the unknown and also like appreciating the, the, you know, the scientific method approach as well and understanding that people need that sometimes. So thank you for being here with me. And I'm just so deeply appreciative to get to co-create this with you. Thank you so much, Beth. It's been such a pleasure and I really appreciate you inviting me. It's been so enjoyable and wonderful to, to talk about this topic. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Exploring Healing Arts podcast. I hope that our words, our stories, and the wisdom shared on today's episode inspire you and support you in feeling connected. If you loved this episode, please leave us a five-star review so we can reach more people. And as a thank you for listening, join me for a mini course on energy hygiene. You get three simple practices you can do anywhere, anytime to support you in feeling more grounded, connected to yourself, and confident in your energetic boundaries. Sign up at energyhealingelizabeth.com slash energy hygiene. Thanks for being here today, and I look forward to being with you again soon. The primary purpose of the Exploring Healing Arts podcast is to inspire and educate. As a reminder, the information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for professional advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We encourage you to speak with your doctor for professional medical advice or treatment. Opinions offered on this podcast are just that, opinions.